because you were, it's interesting how we're built differently, right? I mean, we're all sons and daughters of the Lord and we believe in him and, and we're all humanity, right? So there's some, some things that we have in common there, but we are all built differently. Is there anybody, when you were watching that video, is there anybody who's just like a little concerned that a train's about to come around the corner? Like, wait till next week. Steve, buddy, I need you all summer. I hope there is not a train coming around that. It's, it, we were looking at that in practice this morning, and somebody just said, oh, there's going to be people in the congregation who are just anxious, waiting for that. It's the same people like, don't stand in the middle of the tracks, don't stand. And others like, it's fine, you'll see them coming. It is interesting how, how we are built differently, and we have these different instincts and these different kinds of, these different kind of thoughts that go through us. It's fun. You notice this too, as we've been studying this book of Hebrews ever since January, you'll notice the writer of Hebrews, as, as inspired by God, the writer of Hebrews has been bringing these messages to these Hebrew people, right? They're people who had a Jewish background. They, they would have grown up, many of them, in a, in a Jewish home, in a Jewish setting. And now the writer of Hebrews has been talking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ is above all. And it's kind of this idea of there's a very particular letter here to those Hebrews talking about Jesus. But it's amazing how God can take a letter like that and apply it to all of us. Most of us in this room are not Hebrews. We don't have Jewish blood in us that maybe we would trace back to Father Abraham. And yet how many of you in the last couple of months have been touched by something that came out of this book of Hebrews? Right? This is a, it's incredible how different as we are, God has a way to speak that can get through to everybody and anybody. Isn't that hopeful and helpful? And so today we're looking at the last five verses, which may, honestly is a little bit of an odd kind of a chunk to preach about. It's the wrap-up of the letter. It's, kind of the, it's not the PS. It's not a postscript. But the letter of Hebrews was not signed. We don't know exactly who wrote it. And so there's no signature. This is what it says I'm just going to read with you through Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 25. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. You've been thinking that, right? Boy, this book of Hebrews is really short. Not much here. So the writer says, brothers and sisters, I'm urging you to bear with my word of exhortation. Exhortation is a deep encouragement. It's a, I want you to do this. Here's how you live after it. He says, just, just a brief 13 chapters. Do you remember some of those chapters that we studied in March and April, how deep and theological they were? He's just saying, sorry, it's so brief. Sorry, so short. Brothers and sisters, urge with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. And then he says in verse 23, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to you. So this person knew that this reference to Timothy, many believe is Timothy who has two letters of Paul's addressed to him. Timothy who was a leader in the church, Timothy who had been in jail. So the writer of Hebrews knew him and said, Timothy's been released. If he comes back, I will come with him to greet you. And then it says in verse 24, greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. It's kind of like, hey, tell mom and dad I said hi, right? And wraps up this letter. Now today we are going to spend most of our time in the first two verses. Ross set you up for that reading through the devotions. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, 
equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. I remember being at meetings over the past few years when this church wrestled with issues of timing. Business meetings, leadership team meetings, building team meetings. We as a church at that time, we were known as Media Mennonite Church and we met about a mile south of here. We had been sensing a call for years to build a bigger building for our worship and activities. Things were just feeling pretty cramped. Now, make no mistake, we were having a blast. It was fun to get together, and and we were having a good time doing God's work, but it seemed like we needed a little bit more space. And so we had plans drawn up. We started designing those with an architect in 2015, 2016, even though we had had ideas long before that. We had plans drawn up. We had financing in place. But there's always that question, isn't there, of, is this the right time? Like, is is it time to find? You've done that, right? Buying a house, maybe buying a car, deciding to change your job, change your career. Any of you in your family, is this the right time to have a child or another child? Or do we need another one at all? Right? Timing matters for these questions, doesn't it? I remember sitting through meetings as we looked at each other and said, "Is, is this the right time? Should we save a little more? We didn't want to rely too much on projections, but the projections of our financial savings against projections of construction, cost increases were not seemingly in our favor in 2017 and 2018 when we were making these decisions. As late as the summer of 2018, and and some of you in this room remember, we were struggling with these questions of timing. When do we actually put shovels in the ground? So we talked. We prayed together a lot. God led us to have a groundbreaking ceremony on October 28th, 2018. Some of you were there. Do you remember this? Actually, you weren't there. You were here. Right where these seats are is where those straw bales are sitting. Lana, that makes you Pastor Wes somehow. And, and just in case people think it was only this side of the room, this side of the room was represented too. What do you see in that? Yeah, not as, not as uh, well attended as you are today. I'm glad you've begun to show up left side. But October 28th, on a day a lot like today, we had a groundbreaking ceremony right here. We dedicated this all to God. And site work started in earnest in January of 2019, two and a half years ago. How many of you remember? How many of you remember those things? Yeah, I I know. Not all of you. I know there are a lot of you in this room, honestly, more than I thought there would be, who have never been with us at Media Mennonite Church in that building and who maybe don't remember those pictures. Thanks for sharing those pictures, Bryce. Do you remember the excitement and the, I I struggle to find the right word, but but also the, the weight of responsibility that came along with that work? Building team, do you remember that? Building finance team, finance team, do you remember that? It was so thrilling, but now we were like really on the hook, right? Now all that savings that we had been building up that kind of gives you that sense of security was going to be spent, and that's an interesting spot to be in. Our church took on debt for the first time since the 70s. Have any of you thanked God recently for the timing that he led us to? If we had said in 2018, let's just wait another year until we have a little more money in the bank. If we had started construction in January of 2020 instead of January 2019, I'm not sure, would we have been able to afford to finish it? 
Would, would this be done at all, or would it be half-built? Media's folly on the south side of Oxford. I know, I know, those what-ifs drive some of you crazy, and, and we don't want to dwell on those because God has been at work. So let's look at something we know for sure. Let, let's put the what-ifs aside for a minute. We got, through, we got through two capital campaigns with more money than was pledged. Two different three-year campaigns where people really stretched, really prayed, and pledged what they could give over the next three years, aside from all their regular church giving, to work on a project like this. And yet, being able to look back now in the last six years, we were able to raise more money even than was pledged. Did we do that? Well, perhaps you've been set up well by this benediction at the end of Hebrews. Did we do it? Well, yes and no. When Moses was speaking to the people of Israel, after he had delivered the law and the Ten Commandments from God, after they had come out of Egypt, after they were preparing to go into the Promised Land, Moses reminded them 3,500 years ago of a fact that would be good for us to keep in mind today. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Moses is saying to them, and, and I'm certain that God is reminding us today that God gave us the opportunity to work. God gave us the bodies and minds that we have that allows us to earn our wages, that then allows us to give our offerings, gifts, and our pledges. Even if, even if some of us in this room have been collecting unemployment because of the circumstances recently, God has put you in a place that has a social structure in place so that you don't have to starve, whether you appreciate that social structure or not. God gives the ability to produce wealth. And in 2 Corinthians 9, just in case we think this is only an Old Testament idea, the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, which was surrounded by a city that had a lot of money. He said, uh, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And Paul says that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul says to the church there, look, God has given you the ability to make money so that you can be generous. And Paul says through him and the people who are teaching like him, thanksgiving will come to God. And we see these kinds of things coming true in our times, don't we? During Sunday school hour, between the times that we were voting, a number of you were talking with, with your neighbors and your friends about the things you're thankful for. I heard a couple people talking about thankfulness for the weather recently. Even thankfulness for the rain this weekend because it seems like it's needed. I heard one person talking about thankfulness for a great hay crop in the last couple of weeks. Well, who did that? Not us. I mean, who makes it rain? Who brings the sun? Who gave you the ability to work, the mind to figure it out? Who gave you a father or a grandfather or a mentor who taught you how to do that work? And who put you in a place where almost everything that we plant grows? God did that. Talk to someone born in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Ask them how their hay crop was. Is it because they don't know what they're doing? No, because God is at work in different ways in people. God has been at work in so many of us to be able to produce wealth. Praise God. 
Several of you just in the past week have told me stories of how somehow and in some way the things that you've experienced while in this place have changed your life and strengthened your faith. Is that because this church is just awesome? Is that because the congregation is full of people who are just a little bit better than the people at other places? Is it because the pastors and the elders and the leaders and the teachers are just so amazingly perfect? No, no, we know it's not that. We're all trying to do what we can do. But we all know that we can do nothing without God. This is why the author of Hebrews, wrapping up his letter, says to those people then, and we read it now, take it to heart. It says, may the God of peace equip you. It doesn't say, equip yourselves, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. No, it says, God will equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Now that might be the us that the, the writer is just doing the, the royal we, you know, let it, let it teach us who are leaders. But there's a sense here too where may God work in all of us to do what is pleasing to him. And so what do we remind ourselves of today? We remind ourselves that yes, it's possible to say no to God. To just say, I'm sitting right here and I'm not doing it anymore, I've had it. The writer of Hebrews has been warning people about that for 13 chapters. Don't reject the Lord. But now the writer of Hebrews is very clear. Where real strength, real success, even where real wealth comes from, it comes from the Lord. May God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may God work in us what is pleasing to him. We're all trying to do what we can do, but we all know that we can do nothing without God. In the book of John, even Jesus, he began to be persecuted by the religious leaders because he was healing on the Sabbath and doing other amazing things that they didn't endorse. He said to those leaders, he said, by myself, I can do nothing. This is Jesus speaking. He said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Even Jesus says that at that point he was deferring to God. His success came from the Lord. And a little bit later in the book of John, in John 15, verses 4 to 5, as Jesus is kind of wrapping up his earthly ministry here in this place, he speaks to his disciples and he said to them, Remain in me. Many of you have heard this before, but think about this as it applies to you. Jesus said, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Isn't this what the writer of Hebrews is talking about? Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. It makes sense that the Hebrews would tell us, may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him. May you have much fruit because you are connected to the vine, not because you're such an amazing branch. In Philippians, it tells us that it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says that he and his his gang of teachers are not competent in themselves to claim anything for themselves, but their competence comes from God. Do you know this? Do I know this? We do. Sitting here today, reading the scripture, we know this. We know that all good things come from the Lord. If any good thing has happened through us, praise God, it's because of him. Yes, we have the opportunity to partner with him. And yes, because God has given us incredible privilege, we have the opportunity to reject him. 
But Jesus says, look, if you remain in me, you can bear much fruit. The writer of Hebrews says, look, stay close to God. Let him equip you with everything good for doing his will. God doesn't leave it up to us to do his will. God doesn't just say, well, here's the plan. Good luck. God says, no, I'm with you. I've sent Jesus for you. And Jesus is in heaven right now looking after you, praying for you so that you can do all the things that I've charged you to do. If anything good is happening, we have to remember that it's really just the blessing of Hebrews 13, 20 coming true in our lives. The God of peace is equipping us and he's working in us to do what is pleasing to him. And not just us, but every Christian around the world in all of history, this is the truth, that it's God working so that this can be the case. God has done a great work. Jesus is supreme over all and his supremacy is still the truth. In Colossians 1, it says that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because of Jesus Christ, we have access now to the creator of the universe. This one who can fill us with all the power and all the equipment that we need to move forward. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to be separated from our Lord because of our sins. Those sins can be washed away, and it doesn't matter who you are today. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how many stories you can tell me of all the ways that you've done whatever you wanted. When you come to Jesus Christ, all of that stuff can be erased. All of that stuff can be forgiven, and you can be brought close to Jesus Christ. There is nobody who's out of bounds except for the person who puts themselves out of bounds. Because God has sent Jesus Christ and he reconciled us to him through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. It said in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 37, God says, I'm going to make a covenant of peace with my people. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. He was talking to Israel, but we as believers have been grafted into that promise. And now we know that God is with us forever. And in Hebrews 4.16, we would have read about this back in February. It said, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Church, we have an opportunity. And, and if you're here with us for the first time today, or if you're still figuring out this Jesus thing, let me tell you, you have an opportunity to be close to Jesus Christ and to be close to the Lord. You may say you don't need it. You may feel like it's irrelevant. You might just be here because mom wanted you to be here and you're being a good kid. You might just be here because, well, your plans fell through this weekend. The weather's rotten and you can't do anything till this afternoon anyway. I don't know why you're here, but since you're here, let me tell you that God's promise is available for all who will receive it. For all people who will come to the Lord and just say, Lord, I've been wrong. I've been selfish. For all who will ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, forgiveness is available. And when Jesus forgives you, that whole block, that whole curtain of sin that's been between you and God for all of these years, that can be taken away. And then this comes true when God says, I will make my sanctuary with them. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells within us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Talk about a sanctuary. We're, we're like walking around cases for the Lord. The Holy Spirit dwells in those who give their lives to Jesus Christ. This is the challenge for all of us. But I know there are some of you in this room who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. What do you do today? What do we take away from this study of Hebrews? Well, a couple of things. Because Jesus is supreme over all, and Hebrews has just been beating that message to death, 
Because Jesus is supreme over all, we can be close to God. And because we are close to God, we can now face anything. No matter how difficult life gets, no matter what your personal challenges, no matter the challenges that we face as a group, no matter the challenges we face as a town or as a county, a state, a country, as a world, no matter what we face, church, when we are close to God, we can face anything and still stand. Even if we die, we can still stand because God is helping us. And if God is helping each of us that way, we need to remember to help each other. The book of Hebrews earlier in the book said that we should encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. Is it today? Today is today, right? Right now it's today? All right, we should encourage each other today. If tomorrow becomes today, encourage each other then too. When yesterday was today, boy, I'm getting confused. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage each other. How? How do we encourage each other? For some of you, I know that comes very naturally. For some of us, it doesn't. So I'm going to give you three things before I wrap up today. How do we encourage each other? I've got three Ps for you. It all just kind of worked out, sort of. Pronounce your encouragement. Pronounce it to each other. Speak words that build people up. Some of you are not speakers. Some of you tend to be more quiet than loud. You let the loudness to some of the rest of us. But I think even those of you who are quiet need to pronounce your encouragement from time to time. There are people in your life, and you might be sitting right beside them. There are people in your life who need your encouragement right now. Maybe you're not even aware that they need your encouragement, but they've been just feeling like something's missing. Can you tell them what they mean to you? Can you tell them how you see God working in them? I just, I just had a look just now at three brothers sitting in a row, and I wonder, are the brothers and sisters in this room telling each other how God is at work in their lives? Or are they just all teasing each other the way I did when I was growing up? You can be better than I was. Encourage each other. Pronounce your encouragement. We're told to do this, and because God is with us, we can do this. Pronounce it. Speak it. Speak words that build people up. You got it? I mean, it's, it's like kindergarten stuff, I know, but sometimes we need to be told, especially those of us who are more quiet in nature. Pronounce your encouragement. Secondly today, I would like to encourage you all because God is close to us and because God is helping us, pray your encouragement for each other. And don't be afraid to talk about this either. You don't need to go around speaking all your prayers out loud. But I think it can be an incredible encouragement when you tell people you're praying for them. There are a number of you who tell me often, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Praying for... And you don't know what that does for me. Just to know that you're praying for me, for my wife Melanie, for my daughter Bree. You're praying for my life, my family, my home, and my work. Thank you for telling me that. Some of you need to tell each other that more often. I'm praying for you. Some of you here in Sunday school this morning, you heard different stories of people who need prayer. Maybe today, before you leave, because you're going to forget if you try to call or text. You're not going to be around this afternoon. You're going to be picnicking. Maybe before you leave this room today, you need to make a beeline for somebody and just tell them, I'm praying for you. Maybe you don't even know why you're praying for them. Let me tell you 
that if you tell them you're praying for them, I guarantee you they will not think you're weird. They will not feel awkward about it, and they're not going to talk about you behind your back. You tell somebody that you're praying for them, and if they're sitting in this room right now, they're going to appreciate it, and it's going to encourage them. Pray your encouragement. And if you're willing to go one step further, ask that person how you can continue to pray for them. This is one way that we can lift each other up because our prayers matter. Our prayers make a difference, but talking about our prayers can lift us up and bind us together even more tightly, helping us to know each other and understand each other a little better, knowing our particular challenges and struggles and our joys and our victories. Pray your encouragement with each other. Ask how you can pray for them. Maybe before you go today, especially if it's somebody whose name you don't know yet. Go say hello and introduce yourself and say, I, I just feel led to pray for you. How can I pray for you this week? And maybe there'll be no answer. I, I don't know. Okay, cool. Now you just pray for them since you know their name. But I think you'll be amazed at the conversations that come up. Hey, you know, pray for me today. My family's going through this. Or, or pray for me today. I've got, a, I've got a big week ahead of me. Pray for me today. I'm just not sure how this is going to work out. Church, can we do this? I mean, we can pray for each other, right? This is like part of like the very most basic stuff that Christians should be doing for each other. But how often do we need to be reminded to pray for each other? I know in a room like this, you can blend in and you can slide in and slide out and not have to see anybody. I want to challenge you to try not to do that today. Take an opportunity to pray for each other. Tell each other that you're praying for them and ask how you can continue to pray. Pronounce it, pray it. And the third one is be thankful. I know that doesn't start with P. I, was, I, was, I guess I'd say appreciate each other, right? You can appreciate each other. Spellcheck didn't like that one, but I have it written down, so I'm going to say it. Appreciate each other. Thank people for how they've blessed you. You have blessed me. Thank you, church. And I could go row by row, seat by seat, and tell you how you've blessed me. There's not enough time for that. And the other people would be bored until I got to them. So I'm not going to do that. But thank the people in your life, but especially in this room, if we're going to be the church together. Thank the people for the ways that they've blessed you. Maybe it was just a smile. Maybe it was just that they came and said that they were praying for you. Maybe it was for something that they don't even remember that they did or they didn't know that you saw. Can you be thankful as long as it's today? Because thanking someone is a great encouragement. Some of you need to say thank you to mom. You need to say thank you to dad. Maybe there's somebody who did a particular service for you. Maybe you need to thank them. Maybe there's somebody who has sacrificed more for you than you've even realized, but you're starting to get it. Thank them. Any of you college kids in the room start to realize that mom and dad are not the morons you thought they were? Any of you just recently married and you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't all. Any of you just have a kid and you're starting to say, hey, mom and dad kind of half knew what they were doing after all. Can you tell them that? Can you say thank you? And then can you pray for them or pray with them? Some of you parents need to say thank you to your kids. whether they're good kids or not good kids. 
there are a lot of people that we need to thank for what we've seen come through them of God's character. I wonder if we're doing that as much as we ought to. Here at the end of Hebrews, we have this word that is, that is written to the Hebrews, but that still resounds in us. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Grace be with you all. Can we pray together? Thank you, God. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we do. You've put so many good people around us. You've put good friends and family around us. Even those of us who feel like we don't have the relationships we'd like, Lord, we can acknowledge that our history has been blessed. Thank you, God, for the ways that you have encouraged us. Lord, I'm thankful for the, for the stories that you've walked us through as a church. Thank you, God, for the way that you've been faithful to us and revealing to us a good time to get started. And Lord, as we look back, what a blessing. And the way that you work back through our fundraising and through our building. And thank you now, Lord, that we have space for us to all sit here together. Thank you, God. Help us to remember to keep saying thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to equip us with everything that we need for doing your goodwill. And Lord, please continue to work in us whatever it is that is pleasing to you. And Lord, may you receive glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Church, would you stand as we sing a closing song this morning?